This is Top Floor episode 83. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 83. Welcome to Top Floor with Susan Berry. This weekly podcast ride up to the top floor features tangible tips and excellent stories from the experts and characters who elevate hospitality. And now your host and elevator operator, Susan Berry. Welcome to the show. I'm back with part two of our loading dock stories from the 34th Hunter Hotel Investment Conference. As you may recall, the loading dock is the best place in the hospitality business to tell tall tales, share secrets, and generally dish the dirt. While we usually only include one loading dock story in each episode, this one has five from Hunter Conference attendees. If you missed the first installment, listen to episode 81. You can also check out last year's stories in episodes 30 and 31. Going down. David Brown is Vice President of Sales and Revenue Management at PCH Hotels and Resorts. And he is kicking this episode off with a doozy of a story. Shockingly enough, something similar once happened to me. And this is much more common than you would ever believe. Just ask Tiffany Cooper, who shared another version in episode 30. David, what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? Sure. So I, uh, my first year in sales was in 1985. It was at the Sheraton Naperville Hotel. Naperville is a western suburb of Chicago. Okay. It was a, a new build. Hotel was doing okay. I got hired in sales. I had no idea what sales was. Imagine I was, <laughs> I was 25 years old, my tan leisure suit, fake silk tie, and clueless as to what good sales Love was. Love it. Uh, being the new guy in the sales team, whenever we had walk-ins, I would go to the desk and meet the people. And, and on a Tuesday afternoon, I got a call from the desk that there were a couple of women at the desk who wanted to speak to someone in sales about booking business for that weekend. Oh, wow. And um, that's exciting, short-term business. So I went to the desk and I sat down with these two women. And they were the, were the group called the Top Hat Club. And I'm like, what kind of group is that? And they said, well, it's 25 couples that uh, just enjoy getting together once a month and having a lot of fun. So I, okay, well, tell me what you need. They needed 50 rooms for Friday and Saturday night. And they told me that the hotel that they'd been going to um, had overbooked and they were being kicked out. That was an alias. Um, So I'm excited. I'm thinking, you know, I, I got two kids at the time. We're broke. I, I booked this piece of business. I hit my quarterly goal, and I, I get a nice little incentive. I can buy my kid the Plus that short-term GI Joe business. with a Kung Fu grip. Uh, so I book them, and I was excited because there was a buffet dinner for 100, <laughs> and each of our floors had 50 rooms. So they took the seventh floor, the whole floor. And that particular weekend, I was the manager on duty, MOD, and you checked in at 5 and checked out at 2 on Sunday. So oh. I, I was a guy running the hotel at 25. I had no idea what I was doing. So um, they had their buffet dinner. I checked in. Things were going well. Afterwards, they adjourned to the lounge. There, we had live music, so there was dancing and they're having fun. And at some point, all the women left, 
and went upstairs, and just the guys were having cocktails, and it didn't dawn on me what was going on. We get a call from the engineer, and he says, I need you on the seventh floor, we have electrical problem. I'm like, oh, okay, so I, I went up, we had three elevators, and I got on the middle one, and I, I went up to the seventh floor, and I stepped out, and the door was closed, and it was pitch black. And I thought, shit, we, we do have electrical problems. Oh, like the power was out. Because this whole floor is this Top Hat Club group. However, directly in front of me were two bar stools from the bar, and there was a men's Top Hat, uh, old fat, sitting on the on one of the stools, and there was a little a bell like a school teacher would ring on the other one. Lo and behold, it was a social club. They were very social. It was a swingers group. They were putting their keys in the hat. The women came up, put their keys in the hat, and the men came up and grabbed a key and went to that <gasps> room. And to, I found out later, there was two 30-minute sessions with whoever you were with to build towards the crescendo. <laughs> <laughs> and the third session was an hour long, and that's when all... You say this, uh, all pent-up demand was released. What in the actual what? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so um, they, they were quiet. They didn't interfere with anyone. But Monday morning, our GM, is guy, Bill, Bill, Bill Bernie, guy from Philly, great guy, he walked in and he said, uh, nice piece of weekend business you book. I said, yeah. He says, don't ever book it again. <laughs> So that was before social media and blogs and everything. It did make the local paper. No, sir. But it was a one-time hit, and no one ever thought twice about it. That is insane that it was in the paper. I, You're not going to believe this, yeah. but almost the exact same thing happened to me at the hotel where I was the first uh, director of sales and marketing position that I had. Uh -huh. And the person came in and wanted to book a birthday party. And it was going to be a big birthday party, like maybe quinceanera, 16th, 21st, something like that. So a lot of rooms. And... Um, confirmed my availability and then flipped the switch and let me know that no in fact it was a swingers club I said yes it was a 2001 like recession yeah. and I knew that that weekend I was going to be at my sister's wedding uh, so I let them book and I marched my way back to Florida sure. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness that's crazy well thank you so much you're for welcome. telling your story that's wild you're welcome there's many more along the way not quite as dramatic as that but uh, <laughs> sex drugs rock and roll yes. nudity skinny dipping you know people people come to hotels and think they're in a different world and they, they can, go wild they behave differently yeah yes 100 yeah. percent going down our next storyteller is Heidi Wilcox, owner, president, and CEO of First Call Hospitality. Heidi's story will resonate with anyone who's ever had to deal with a guest with an alternative view of reality. I'm wondering if you can share a story you would only tell me at the loading dock. <laughs> well, I, you know, as you go through the industry, you know, there, there's always something that happens. You just can't make it up. <laughs> uh, but recently I was visiting a hotel and uh, this occurred. And since COVID, you know, our guests are not our usual guests. That's the understatement of the year. Yes. And so I was at this hotel 
uh, assisting with a uh, franchise visit. And all of a sudden, we had someone walk in, another guest, not the guest I'm going to be talking about, tell us that there's someone outside flying around like a bird. I'm so, come again? She was flapping her wings and flying <laughs> around the parking lot <laughs> like a bird. Okay. <laughs> did she get any airlift? Uh, no, she did not. <laughs> That's a relief. <laughs> a relief. Uh, come to find out that uh, her son had checked her into the hotel because he couldn't find her a lot of times when he would come home. So he thought this best place to put her was in a hotel. What? what? Yes. What? <laughs> okay. She mentally he thought she was a bird. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she had uh, taken her room apart, <gasps> taken the, the blinds and the uh, side panels off her room window because she wanted to have the full view of the outside. Well, sometimes that didn't work. And that's when she would go out into the parking lot and start her tirade around the parking lot. <laughs> I can actually tell you, Heidi, that this is the first human bird story that I've ever heard. Oh my gosh, so what ended up happening? Well, we contacted the son and said, we really need to, you know, we want her to be safe. And based on what she's doing out in the parking lot, our guests are concerned. They feel for her. They, you know, I, I think we need to find a better place for her. And uh, he agreed, but he said, I can't get her into a facility for another week and a half. So we did deal with it. Um, come to find out she's a relative, a very uh, prominent former president. And we heard about that a lot. Oh, my goodness. Um, and she talked to him, uh, she said, but we knew he was deceased, so we knew that was not happening. Got it, got it. But... Uh, uh, finally, the staff really tried to take her under their wing and tried to, you know, keep her entertained and so she would not end up in the parking lot doing well, what she I'm was doing. Well, I'm glad they took her under their <laughs> wing. That is an amazing story, Heidi. Going down. Kate Berta has the distinct honor of having been one of our very first guests on Top Floor and having recorded a loading dock story at High Tech last year, which you can hear in episode 44. Kate is CEO of Kate Berta and Company. It is really not surprising to me that all of her stories seem to happen in Miami. All right, we are here at the Hunter Conference with Kate Berta Extraordinaire. Tell us about yourself, Kate. You know, I'm out here seeing all of the good people with Hunter, and it's always so much fun because uh, different from Alice or different from NYU, it's smaller, more intimate, and you get to see some of your best friends and confidants and tell some stories. So, Speaking of stories, mm. what is a story you would only tell me on the loading dock? So one comes to mind, we were reminiscing and talking about, you know, different things. And it goes back to one of the hotels that I was in in Miami. And uh, so this hotel in, in, in particular had a blue lagoon that was connected to it. And so we had jet skiers, right? And it's right by the Miami airport. A blue lagoon, like was it a natural body of water or sure. a swimming pool? Well, you know, it was a it was a natural body okay. of water because right. nothing in Miami is natural, Heard. right? So, um, so, but it was this kind of man-made lake outside the, and we're right by the airport. 
And so we had jet skis, and you could rent the jet skis and buzz around and do whatever else. So a flight takes off from MIA, and it was a, it was a, an American flight. Can I say that on, on top floor? <laughs> I mean, they'll was probably it? never sponsor me, so you owe me money, but oh, that's cool. God. Yeah. So they took off, and a piece of the plane fell into the Blue Lagoon. Stop it right now. Right. What piece of the plane? It was, it was some, well, obviously they wanted it because this company that flies called American came <laughs> to the hotel to pick it up. Now, the jet skiers, the jet ski outfitters, they were outsourced. They weren't part of the, you know, we outsourced them from, from uh-huh. the hotel. And they tended to enjoy a certain herb on numerous uh-huh, occasions, uh-huh. right? So American Airlines comes out because they need a piece of this plane and it's floating in the Blue Lagoon. What in the world? Uh, so they get our jet skiers who are not... Hammered. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, you know, these guys, they're, they're grifters, right? They're kind of they're fun or whatever. So they start negotiating with American Airlines on how much how much it's going to cost American Airlines for the jet ski guys to go out and fish out this piece of plane uh, for the for, for them. So so if we want to talk about a, a negotiating class, I, I think the, the jet ski guys won. <laughs> there so. you go. I honest to God thought you were going to say that it was um, a bathroom situation. Oh, yeah. Because I have heard of that happening from airplanes as well, but I'm relieved that it was just, believe, that's just a part of the fuselage or whatever <laughs> it's called. Fantastic. Going down. As editor of Asian American Hospitality Magazine, Ed Brock usually prints other people's stories. So I turn the tables on him to get his loading dock story. I really want to hear a story that you would only tell me at the loading dock. What do you got? Okay. Well, many years ago, I was living in Japan, about 20 years ago, and uh, my first trip outside of Japan was to Thailand. Um, And I was all by myself doing the backpacker thing in Thailand. Wow. And I started off in Bangkok, and this is important later in the story. I went and got a tailor-made suit, fitted. Okay. How cool. Yeah, I suit fitted, but I hadn't picked it up yet. I had to pick it up after I got back. Then I left Bangkok and went to the island of Koh Samui. Okay. Koh Samui is the south of, of, of Thailand. Right? Okay. And uh, this is all so many, so many little sub stories, you know. Basically, I had struggled with money, but I got my money, my money sorted out. And I was having a, finally a good day. I rented a motorbike. Okay, because I I didn't I don't ride motorcycles most of the time, but when I was living in Japan, I had a scooter that I had bought, and I was getting pretty good at that. So I figured oh, I could I could handle a motorbike. <laughs> you know? But here's the problem on Kosamui Island, uh, the roads are kind of bad. Okay, they're kind of like half dirt, half plain concrete. But I managed to do all right for most of the day. I got all the way across to the other side of the island. Another important fact. I just feel so nervous already. <laughs> you should. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I get, I have a nice lunch, and I'm trying to go back to my side of the island. And I'm on another road, though. I'm going a different way. And I come around this hill, and I'm coming down the hill. And there is this Jeep full of Americans. I'm going to assume they were Americans. They were Westerners coming up the hill. So I have to get over to the side 
to avoid the Jeep and didn't realize the side was basically sand. Oh, my gosh. And I hit the sand going about probably 20, 30 miles an hour, flew off the motorcycle, skidded down this concrete and sand yeah. road down the embankment, um, jumped up at the end of it, covered in blood, scratches, and the people in the Jeep had stopped, and they're looking at me, they're like, are you okay? And I said, well, I'm not dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, see you later. No and way. And off they go. And here I am with this crashed rental motorbike, and I got to get it back to the other side of the island. And I'm bleeding. And it wouldn't run. It ran. Okay. The side mirror was bashed off and all that, but it ran. So I hopped back on the motorbike that I just crashed on, and I'm driving it down the road, put, 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 bleeding everywhere, bleeding everywhere, and I could see road rash. Oh, I'm moving the microphone. All up and down my right side, basically. Uh -huh. I hit the right side. And so I'm like, well, i got to get to a, a hospital and get it checked out and get it cleaned up, maybe. So I stopped at the first in Thailand. They love Red Cross. They have Green Crosses. Green Cross marks a, a medical thing. And so I stopped there, and the woman comes out. She says, oh, no, 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 no. Look there. Looked at my elbow. Giant gash, like two inches across, flapping in the breeze. Yeah. Uh, so she said, you have to go to the big hospital. We can't help you here. Where's the big hospital? I don't know where I am. Down the road. Down the road. I go down the road to the next green arrow. I mean, the, the next green cross. And there's a, just another, basically the same kind of place. But they're like, okay, come on in. We'll sew it up for you. So they clean me up a little bit. Give me a local anesthetic. Stitch up my elbow, which it turns out later, they should not have done because it was really dirty. Oh, no, <laughs> You're no, supposed to leave no, that open, no, basically. No, no. So, but they, I didn't know any better, and they stitch it up, and back I go on the, on the rental bike, all the way back across the island, back to the rental place, and the rental place is like, basically, um, they have no insurance for their stuff, so they charge me almost all of the rest of my money. Okay. But at least I had my hotel paid for for the next couple of days. I'm slathered in bandages. I went to the local doctor who kept to help clean it up and all that a little yeah. bit. But I had two more days left on the island, covered in bandages. Oh, no. The beach was not as good <laughs> at that point. Well, at least you survived. Yes. I salute you. Thank Congratulations. You. And real quick, uh, the, the, the end of it is I had to get back to Bangkok. I had to get that suit. Okay. Yeah. So I hooked up at the airport of Koh Samui with a couple of German guys who saw all the bandages and asked me the story about the bandages. They needed to go to the same tailor to get to get fitted. They had, it was a very famous tailor, Tony's mm -hmm. Fashion House. So they're like, well, you know where it is. We'll all share a cab together. And they helped pay for my cab into Bangkok to get my suit. Oh, that was nice. Back. So I got my suit and got out of Bangkok. Awesome. Thank you for telling me. Sure. Going down. Our last loading dock story comes from Rebecca Hamilton Rowan from Moen, where she is the strategic account manager. Salespeople everywhere are envious of her conveniently rhyming name. She closes us out with the story of how she got into hospitality. What is the story you would only tell on the loading dock? So my story is about how I got started in this crazy business we call hospitality. I was freshly out of college, not knowing what in the world I wanted to do with my psychology degree. 
and I started temping. I was the receptionist at a small little manufacturing firm. Customer would come in from time to time. We would hit it off. We would talk. Lo and behold, this customer was a commercial real estate investor. They had one hotel, and they were getting ready to build a second. From the months of coming into the place I was temping, he got to know me, he liked my personality, and he said, Rebecca, have you ever considered a job in sales? I was like, absolutely not. Well, so what were you doing it. at the first company? What job were you doing? I was a receptionist. Okay, got yes, it. in the very front of the office. So I said, why not? Let's take a whirl. So he hired me. He stuck me in a windowless room with a six-foot table, a landline, mm-hmm. a directory of who's who for the town I was in and said, here, pre-sell our hotel. Oh my God. Are you serious? How did you even know what to say? I'm not even sure. I fumbled my way through. I just started calling people from the directory and introducing myself and saying, hey, we're about to open a hotel. (laughs) Can I tell you more about it? And through phone calls, a lot of rejections But a few, okay, I might be interested, um, was able to get my foot in the door, slowly started kind of learning what worked, what didn't work, started making connections in the town, ended up leading to other opportunities and other positions down the road. So my, my takeaway from that is don't be afraid to take risk. I mean, that's what this whole crazy hospitality (laughs) world is all about. A hundred percent. That is awesome. Thank you so much. I am still basking in the glow of this year's Hunter Hotel Investment Conference. And I want to encourage you to save the date for next year. It's the 35th anniversary and the conference will take place March 19th through 21st, 2024. You can find all the details at hunterconference.com. Thanks for listening. You can find the show notes at topfloorpodcast.com forward slash episode forward slash 83. Top Floor is produced by John Albano, who also composed and performed our elevated elevator music with vocals by Cameron Albano. If you enjoyed the episode, please share it with your friends and colleagues after you leave us a five-star review. You can subscribe to Top Floor on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you like to listen. Thanks for listening to the Top Floor Podcast at www.topfloorpodcast.com. Have a hospitality marketing question? Reach us at 850-404-9630 to be featured in a future episode. 